Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Sports Today. Justin Jefferson believes himself to be the best, and it's hard to disagree. The arrival of Texas and Oklahoma dominated the first of the SEC media days, and Keegan Murray has shown himself to be the best rookie in the NBA Summer League. Starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports, you're Locked On Sports Today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. The NFL season now less than 50 days away. And of course, we are leading up to that with Bet Online's list of top 50 most valuable players when it comes to setting the line. We wanted to check in with Locked on Vikings Luke Braun because, of course, there's a Viking on there or two. So um, maybe hinting, hinting. I'm not going to give anything away. We do have some stuff coming up, obviously. <laughs> Jefferson was amazing the last couple of years and um, he's going to make a debut on our list. I won't give it away where he is, but um, can you talk a little bit about just, you know, for those that aren't familiar, what he's been able to do in these first two seasons? Yeah. So, I mean, from a volume perspective, it's been off the charts, right? If you've ever had Justin Jefferson on your fantasy team, you know what I'm talking about. 1400 yards his first year, 1616 his second year, just insanity. Um, but I think beyond the, the stati- I mean, the statistical contribution is the result of what Justin Jefferson is, which is one of the most terrifying things a receiver can be, which is all around. There is not like a specialty to Justin Jefferson. He's not one of these, oh, he's just a deep burner or he's like an after catch guy. He's anything you want him to be. You want him in the slot? He can go in the slot. You want him outside? He can be outside. Need a big body guy in the red zone? He's great at that. Need someone to win off the line of scrimmage? He's got you. There's nothing you can ask a receiver to do that Justin Jefferson can't do. He's an awesome blocker too. Um, and there's been a lot of talk in Minnesota about him taking on a role similar to the one Cooper Cup had last year in, in L.A. So we've got Kevin O'Connell now, um, which would utilize that blocking a little bit more. has been a big talker here in Minnesota. So, yeah, it's the, that versatility is what makes him such a good weapon. And one way or another, that's going to end up in a whole bunch of yards and a whole bunch of production. And he's come out and said uh, in recently that, you know, Devontae Adams is the best wide receiver in the league, but he plans on being the best wide receiver after this season. What is the ceiling for him this year? Obviously, you've talked a little bit about trying to be more of a Cooper Cup role, which would be great for him. Yeah. But um, what's the ceiling for him as far as your concern coming up? I think it's what he said. Uh, there's a lot of top five stuff going. Actually, Bet Online uh, put out their um, over-unders for yardage for receivers, for like a lot of premier receivers. Jefferson's mm-hmm. second next to Cooper yeah. Cup. Yeah. Um, you look at top five wide receiver lists that ESPN or NFL media or whatever will put out. Justin Jefferson's on most of them. Um, He's pretty much unanimously pretty agreed upon a top five receiver. It's not that much further to say, well, what if he takes another step forward in a a more pass heavy scheme, takes that Cooper cup role and suddenly ascends beyond that. And what's beyond top five, top three, top two, top one, We're we're starting to get to that place. Um, But I do think that Justin Jefferson can reach that point where he transcends just being a weapon and he starts being a headline. 
Um, and he starts being, you know, the thing you come to the game focusing on if you're a defensive coordinator playing the Vikings is, okay, first things first, we shut down Justin Jefferson. Then we worry about Dalvin Cook and Irv Smith and Adam Thielen and all those other guys. But he's kind of becoming one of those guys where you think Vikings, you think Justin Jefferson in the same way for so long. You know, you thought Falcons, you thought Julio Jones. We're we're talking that level of, you know, it's it's beyond a role or production. It's becoming a legacy. And he's replacing someone sort of, I would say. And Stefan Diggs, who, you know, was a, a huge playmaker for for the Vikings mm-hmm. for a while. And on this list, he actually, you know, not to give too, too much away for bet online, he's a, he's a spot higher than Jefferson. So in your mind, I mean, we don't know entirely what goes into moving the line, of course, but in terms of just all around, it seems like Jefferson's really a better fit for the Vikings in terms of being able to do so many things. Yeah, and I honestly would wouldn't change much about that description and apply it right to Stefan Diggs as well. He that was part of what made him so good and why it was so important to get somebody like Justin Jefferson because Diggs can do all that stuff too. He's got a catch radius way bigger than his frame, like a very good catch radius despite a smaller frame. Um, his routes are unbelievable. He's really deceptive, and he's got his old his whole play style that's also very versatile. Um, and he's also an inaccuracy eraser, which is a huge huge thing that helped Josh Allen take another step. Um, and so I, I think if you're going to put Stefan Diggs on a list like this above Justin Jefferson, I kind of get it because Stefan Diggs has a, a place in that Bills offense that isn't like neither of these guys can be replaced. But if, say, Justin Jefferson goes down, you still got Adam Thielen and KJ Osborne and all these other guys. Um, and, you know, Kirk Cousins does not need an accuracy fixer. Josh Allen might. That's always been a thing for him. And his accuracy has gotten better. But a lot of that has been having a connection with a guy like Stefan Diggs without Diggs, Does that go back to the way Josh Allen was the first couple of years? I could see a betting market kind of factoring that in and therefore putting Diggs above Jefferson. I'm not taking it personally. I also love Stefan Diggs. I always have. I think he's an awesome player. Subscribe to locked on NFL for our NFL top 50 most valuable players list in conjunction with bet online each day this week, we will count down to the most valuable player in the NFL. You can find locked on NFL everywhere. You get your podcasts, including Odyssey. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today. Your first listen coming up, the SEC kicked off its media days by looking ahead to the arrivals of the Sooners and the Longhorns. Here's what to look for on Bet Online, your number one spot for your gambling needs. How about we look ahead to a few college football futures? Right now, you can bet on whether Alabama will win the national title or any other team. Bet Online has the odds set at plus 210 for Alabama winning the championship and minus 320. For any other team that certainly puts the Crimson Tide in the driver's seat as far as odds to win the SEC. Bet online has Alabama at minus 115 to win the conference. Georgia's the only other team close to them, and their odds are at plus 165. And the early favorite to win the Heisman Trophy isn't an Alabama player or even an SEC player. CJ Stroud, quarterback for Ohio State, is Bet Online's favorite right now at plus 325 to hoist the Heisman. Bet Online is where the game starts. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. James Harden isn't playing hard to get in contract talks with the Philadelphia 76ers. In fact, he just wants, quote, whatever is left over, end quote. When it's all said and done, Harden believes he and Joel Embiid are the driving force behind any Sixers success, but he knows the roster needs to be deeper. Quote, when you have two of the top players at their positions on the same team, that's a great building block. We're going to grow together, try to lead this team to the top. I believe we can do it together, end quote. 
After reports that Open champion Cameron Smith is finalizing a deal to join the Live Invitational Series, the Saudi-backed circuit inked its biggest non-player PGA defection. David Faraday, long a unique voice for the PGA Tour, will now lend his voice as an analyst for eight to 10 Live events. He will join a broadcast crew that includes former English Premier League play-by-play man Arlo White. The Live Series has been a thorn in the side of the PGA Tour, and it's only just been created. As the Big Ten and SEC seemingly grab up any big-time university with top-flight athletics budget, the Big 12 and Pac-12 began talks on an alliance, but those talks have reportedly stopped. Disagreements centered around, get this, uneven revenue gains. There's been at least three Zoom calls between top league officials in the Big 12 and the Pac-12 and other calls between other factions of the league, including their legal department, to try to discuss different options. A Pac-12 source briefed on the conversations said that the Big 12 had expressed interest on Friday in possibly exploring a full merger. The Big 12 source said of the three options laid out by the Pac-12, pooling rights, a scheduling concept, or fully combining the leagues, that the only scenario that could have potentially driven value was a full merger of the leagues. And Washington National superstar outfielder Juan Soto won the 2022 Home Run Derby. He did so after beating Julio Rodriguez from the Seattle Mariners. Pete Alonso tried for a third straight Derby crown, but it was not meant to be as he lost out to the rookie sensation from Seattle in the second round. The 21-year-old Rodriguez hit a total of 62 homers in the first two rounds, but the totals don't carry over from round to round. Soto launched 19 home runs and Rodriguez had 18 in the final. Soto has been the subject of many trade rumors after turning down a 15-year, $440 million contract extension from the Nationals this past weekend. Here is another story you need to know. College football season right around the corner. So, of course, we have to check in with one of the biggest conferences in the country, the SEC. They are starting off their media day. The first day was today. So we checked in with Chris Gordy from Locked On SEC because he was there taking in all of the fun, all of the action. And, of course, I'm sure a lot of the talk was about two schools that aren't even there yet. So kind of what did you hear about Oklahoma and Texas and when that actually might come to fruition? Yeah, I mean, we're living in the day and age of conference expansion. That's all anybody wants to talk about. The Big Ten is calling everybody up, and the SEC, they're standing pat. Uh, Greg Sankey, their commissioner, says they're kind of happy with 16 teams for now. Uh, Of course, they're not at 16 yet. Oklahoma and Texas won't be here until 2025. Uh, Greg Sankey was asked, could it happen sooner? He said, look, that's not for me to decide. That's between Oklahoma and Texas and the Big 12. You know, they have a buyout. And so – Kind of wonder if the dominoes start to fall here that maybe a buyout happens and they come in 2024, maybe as early as 2023. I just know this. It's a little awkward when you've broken up with your girlfriend and she's still living with you, right? Like, when are you moving out? Pack up your boxes. Let's go. Let's accelerate this thing. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Other comments from Greg Sankey he talked about comfort or uh, playoff expansion. And, you know, he says he'd be on board with it, but not with automatic qualifying bids for instance if the pac-12 champ has four losses they probably don't deserve to get into the playoff and if you have an sec champ and then maybe a one or two loss sec team those teams probably decide to uh, deserve to get in over some of these other conference champs so those are kind of the overall takeaways from the commissioner of the sec greg sankey on day one uh, we do have a new new face down there in sec country um brian kelly of course uh you know, went a little viral with his uh, accent changes, but um, he's now officially down there and, and starting his new job. So kind of what was the feel there? And, and you know, he's starting things out his first SEC media a uh, couple of days. 
yeah, I mean, look, he, he said the word family weird. Okay, that, that's great. All they care about Louisiana is if he wins, you know, and that's kind of the deal with most coaches. Um, you know, it's more than national folks making fun of Brian Kelly for that. Uh, you know, let's be real. They came from Coach O, who talked weird, had a graveled voice and said, go Tigers. But when he won a championship, it wasn't a problem. Suddenly when he was going six and six, it was a problem. So same thing with Brian Kelly. Uh, if he comes to LSU and starts winning, they're going to love him like they've loved every coach they have. But, man, if he can't win there, I think they're going to say, go back to the Midwest or go back to Boston where you're from, and, uh, you know, we'll find another coach to win here. So uh, really good things, positives. The big thing that stood out, too, from, from Brian Kelly was talking to his players. They all said, oh, man, he's hilarious. Not the biggest vibe of hilarious you get from Brian okay. Kelly, but apparently the players really like him. Okay, well, maybe a little Bill Belichick vibe there, I guess. I don't know, like portrays something different. Maybe he's a little more fun to them, but whatever. Like you said, if they win, they win. Um, obviously, Lane Kiffin came out talking a little bit about the NIL. I know a lot of coaches are unhappy with it, but just talking about a little bit about the disparities between, you know, different schools that can, quote, pay a lot to get people, and then there's other places you can, and he really called it cheating. So, I mean, is that a common theme with everybody, or is, is he the only one kind of speaking up because it affects him the most? Well, Lane's never shied away from sharing his opinion on things. I mean, he, he speaks his mind, and I think you have to respect that. But I think he's just calling out a larger problem. College football has always been a, a league of the haves and the have-nots. And I think what we're seeing right now when it comes to NIL, the have-nots are the schools that have a pretty good alumni base, have money, but they don't have Texas or Texas A&M type money. And that's what we're seeing right now in Miami. Uh, we're seeing those schools stepping up to the plate and paying tons for recruits and transfers and all that. And I think Lane was just kind of calling out, look, we don't have those resources here at Old Miss uh, to pay millions upon millions for recruits and all that. So, and look, the rule was in, it created saying you could pay NIL. You just can't be an inducement for recruiting. We're seeing it, it used, used as an inducement for recruiting. So I think that's what Lane's calling out when he says it's cheating. But, you know, the bigger picture here is the rich are going to continue to get richer. Absolutely. Um, what are you looking forward to? A couple more days of SEC action. Um, anybody, obviously all the big names are talking about what you're looking forward to throughout the next couple of days. Yeah, Nick Saban's always fun when he comes. He's like a rock star. I always say the, the great comparison is Nick Saban could walk in one door, the president could walk in the other, and no one would pay any attention to the president. It would all be on Nick Saban. It is that crazy. He rolls about eight deep. He's got every uh, policeman from the state of Alabama following him around. He's a rock star, and it's crazy to see uh, uh, when he does when he comes to SEC Media Days, and it's going to be madness once again. Chris, we'll keep you up to date on the movements of the SEC during Media Days. You can catch Locked On SEC everywhere you get your podcasts, including Odyssey. Which NFL stars move the betting line the most? Since July 18th, Locked On gives you the 50 most valuable players in the NFL from the odds makers at Bet Online. They've been available on Locked On NFL wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Coming up, Keegan Murray has shown himself to be the best rookie in the NBA after his performance in the Summer League, allegedly. Paolo Bancaro, Jabari Smith, and Chet Holmgren all put up some pretty good numbers during the Summer League. Jackson Gatlin and Matt George discussed why another player was even more impressive for the latest Locked On NBA. Keegan Murray was balling out in Summer League. He was number four amongst all scorers in Summer League at 23.3 points per game, but he was the only rookie to finish in the top five of all the Summer League leading scorers. Shot 50% from the floor, 40% from three, 80.8% from the free throw line, 7.3 boards, two assists. 
he was on a tear throughout summer league. I mean, are you like, just what are your immediate impressions as to what you've seen out of him so far to this point? I know it's summer league. You take it with a grain of salt, but you have to be really excited about what you've seen out of him so far. I'll pay off your tease right away. Damn right. Keegan Murray was the best rookie in summer league. And in my opinion, it wasn't particularly close. Look, Keegan, got the opportunity to play against the the best of the best in terms of this draft class. He and, and Paolo kind of split halves. I know the Orlando Magic ended up winning that game, but Keegan Murray had the big moment hitting that big shot in uh, game one of Summer League uh, for the Sacramento Kings, that is, uh, to send that game into uh, overtime. And, and what I love about Keegan's Summer League as a whole is he showed us different things on different nights. He scored over 20 points in every single game. If you include the California Classic three games that he played, he played seven games in total, scored 20 or more points in six out of seven of them. Uh, the other game, he scored nine points and also had nine rebounds for a near double-double. Uh, took over, ha- had a rough first half against the Indiana Pacers, took over in the second half to help the Kings uh, win that game against Indiana and went right after uh, Benedict Matherin. And then I loved his performance against Chet, against Chet Holmgren and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now the box score is going to show you, or the final score is going to show you that Oklahoma City won that game. But either looking at the box score or watching the game. I'm sorry, Oklahoma City Thunder fans. I'm sorry, Chet Holmgren fans. He's a great player. I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do with OKC. He couldn't hold a candle to Keegan Murray in this game. Keegan had the most aggressive that Keegan was attacking the basket all summer was when Chet Holmgren was on him. He went right at the best shot blocker in summer league, the best shot blocker in the draft class, and had a field day with him also had one of his best scoring games period against Oklahoma city. So, I mean, I, all things considered Keegan Murray has shown us everything that we wanted to see and more. He's been even better than I expected. And you know, Jackson, I was super high on him. I wanted the Kings to draft him. I'm so glad they did. And I'm glad to see so many people, not just in Sacramento, but around the NBA landscape coming around on him because he absolutely was worthy of a fourth overall pick, which a lot of people didn't think so on draft night. Certainly an argument there for Murray, whether it's Bancaro or Chet Holmgren was really impressed you in the summer league. We have to remember it's summer league. There's a lot of these guys that are not going to play in the NBA. So we can't really count what they're doing there as what they will do when they get to the next level. So until opening day, I'm going to reserve the right to decide who's a bust and who's going to be a superstar. And finally, most coaches want better facilities for their players. Few, if any of them, do what Deion Sanders has done for Jackson State University football. He donated half of his salary so that JSU could finish renovations to the football facility by August 4th. Quote, I'll put half on it to get this done, he said. If you don't believe me, check me. I will send you the receipts, end quote. Sanders signed a four-year contract with an average annual salary of $300,000 back in 2020. That is certainly putting your money where your mouth is. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to talk about the national superstar Juan Soto, the new home run derby champion, and where he could end up. At least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.